Do you seek the freedom to pursue greater meaning and purpose in your life? Is there something that you're passionate about that you'd like to support by giving time, talent, or money? Do you seek a level of financial freedom to live an ideal life as you uniquely define it? Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to helping you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. Welcome to the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. My name is Mike Bernard and I am the host for our show. Like Jeff, I am a certified financial planner. This show is all about helping you discover what matters most and helping you get your actions and resources in alignment with your goals. We combine excellence and wealth management with the pursuit of meaning and purpose in your life. Jeff Bernier is the founder, president, and chief investment officer of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, a wealth management firm in Alpharetta, Georgia, a suburb in the greater Atlanta area. Jeff, how are things going? What's new? Well, Mike, we're we're doing great. I you know, I can't believe it's already April. It seems like we just got the the year started. Well, so I would say that's uh that's master's time, but at least for <laughs> for me and if we're talking about finance, that's uh that's that's tax filing time. It is. It is. And of course, in the first part of the year, we're always doing a lot of work helping our clients get organized and get their information together for tax compliance, but of course, most of the real work was done late last year as we were doing tax planning. That, that's right. Most most people think taxes are just an event that happens one time a year, but it's actually a process that involves planning and so on. So anyway, right. what's, what's on your mind as we move into the second quarter of the year? Well, I'd, I would love today for us just to uh, talk a little bit about the value of going deep. So, okay. So so going, going deep, we do something <laughs> uh, that's similar here at, at KFG, but explain what you mean by that. Yeah. Well, recently I read Cal Newport's book, uh, Deep Work, Cal Newport. Uh, this is a book that's actually published back in 2016. Um, and it really convicted me that I need to take space. Uh, to do more what he calls deep work. Okay, so so why don't you define for everyone what you mean by deep work here? Yeah, yeah. Well, again, this is really not my definition. It's it's the it's the author's Cal Newport's, uh, but I think it's really good. Uh, so let's let's define what he calls both deep work and shallow work. So deep work is professional activities performed in a state of distraction-free concentration that pushes your cognitive capabilities to their limits. So it's, it's, you know, it's, it's deep, um, concentrated work. Mm. Uh, and these efforts can create new value, improve your skill and are really not easy to replicate. Uh, so that's deep work. And then shallow work is not demanding. It's not cognitively demanding. It's more logistical style task. They're often performed while you're distracted or you have other things going on. And they really don't tend to create much value in the world and are and are pretty easy to replicate. I, I don't know if it's just me or or not, but as I'm listening to you share those definitions, I'm I'm sort of categorizing how I spend my day. <laughs> am, I, <laughs> yeah. am I doing deep work or am I doing shallow work? And yeah. of course they have their own connotation to them. So, so yeah. why is this important now? Well, he he has a hypothesis and it it seems like a reasonable one in my own life experience. Uh, so his hypothesis is that the ability to perform deep work is becoming increasingly rare uh, at exactly the time it's more valuable in our economy. And as a consequence, the, the few people who really cultivate this skill of doing deep work 
uh, and who make it a core of their working life will really thrive in the in the information age. So uh, what I, I'm I'm drawing some of my own conclusions about why this might be increasingly rare. But what are your your thoughts on why this is becoming more increasingly rare? This ability to go deep for people. Well, I mean, there's a there's a number there's a number of reasons. Um, you know, with mobile communication devices, open workspaces, social media, you know, all these all these distractions. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, multitasking has has really become the norm. Mm-hmm. And you know, I remember many years ago, our our friend and consultant Nick Murray, uh, he he used to always say in his normal Nick Murray sensitive way that uh, multitasking makes you stupid. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, and I guess Nick was just, you know, was just ahead of his time. So a lot of it has to do, I think with our network, open spaces, collaborative world, which is a good thing, but it sometimes makes it really difficult to, to, to do, to do deep, deep work. And if I can, uh, develop this a little further, um, it, it, it is rare because again, we are connected. You know, we've got social media and we've got instant messaging. I know we use a tool called Slack. I think you guys use it as well. You know, um, uh, Microsoft has a tool called Teams where you can really collaborate and work together in real time, regardless of where you're at. And it can just create a lot of distractions, um, you know, yelling at you. But there are examples of individuals who, who create uh, life hacks to create space to do this deep work. For instance, you know, Bill Gates uh, takes what he calls think weeks, where he takes time off just to read and think about, you know, big thoughts. You know, the famous psychologist Carl Jung used to retreat. um, um, I think it was at Zurich for weeks at a time. And it wasn't to escape his professional life. It was really to advance his professional life. And, And of course, although he had a lot of patients who relied on him, he, you know, he was not shy about taking this time away to do what he called you know, his, his time, you know, his thinking time as well. So deep work, you know, even, even though it's a burden to prioritize, it, it's crucial uh, for, for, you know, his goal of changing the world. I, in the book, um, Cal Newport also talks about the writer J.K. Rowling, you know, who wrote the Harry Potter mm-hmm. series and she had a, a deadline. I think it might've been the last book and she was way behind on the deadline. And so she just locked herself in a hotel room in Edinburgh, oh my which is right real close to the Edinburgh Castle, which was sort of her inspiration for Hogwarts, I, th- I think. And so she just locked herself in this hotel for, you know, weeks on end to finish to finish the project. Mm. Wow. Yeah. So so again, some of the so some of these examples from these influential individuals, you know, it's important to emphasize because it stands in sharp contrast to the behavior of today's modern knowledge workers you know, a group that it seems to be forgetting about how to do deep work. And, you know, the reason knowledge workers are losing this familiarity with going deep is, again, these network tools. Yeah. We, uh, I think you're familiar with the EOS tools for our listeners, uh-huh. if not, yep. um, who, who's involved in running a business. Uh, Jeff and I are both in, involved in, and they talk about clarity breaks, taking care yeah, of clarity breaks. same I, idea. I am uh, terrible at it, by the way. Yeah. And it could be... Um, Texting and all of that, but I just I think I, it's just a very distracted type of existence that we live in today. Correct. I, I want to go back to to something that I, I glossed over here. So we were talking about um, the definition being in professional activities, but would you say that this deep work can apply in multiple areas of yeah. your life? 
Yeah, absolutely. And I am glad you pointed that out because it seems to me that if there's anything that you'd like to accomplish, especially if you want to make an influence, this level of deep work is, is really, is really critical. So I don't think it's, I don't think it's limited to just your professional life. I think it could be limited to anything that, um, that requires, you know, attention and focus. Yeah. So this idea of creating space and blocking out some of the noise, I, I think it could, I could, it could be easy for those who are well-resourced or feel, uh, feel wealthy or self-employed, but what about, what about the rest of us? How do, how do people apply it? Yeah, that's kind of the danger when I use an example like Bill Gates, you know, who takes a think week. I mean, sure, he can take a think week. Yeah. He, you know, he doesn't have a boss to report to. Um, and um, but it, but it doesn't really have to be some grand retreat, you know, although that's not a bad idea when you have a big project with a firm deadline. Uh, you know, the author suggests you can create blocks of time right in your own daily schedule for, quote, deep work. You just have to create the right environment and turn off or better yet get all your network devices out of the room. Um, you know, let me also point out, this doesn't have to be knowledge workers only. I mean, you could be building something or doing manual work, um, you know, that you're creating. I mean, you could be building a fence in your backyard for gosh sakes, um, uh, or creating a piece of art or, you know, you know, adding on the building a new recording studio or whatever the case may be. You just have to cut out the distractions and go all in own the project with focus. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, okay. So, so what made you think of this important topic for people seeking blending money and meaning? Yeah. Well, the really two reasons. Um, first it's a, it's a valuable skill in our, in our fast paced knowledge economy. And, um, as I read the book, it just, it really convicted me, um, because it seems as I've gotten older, I found it more difficult to focus on the task at hand. And some of this may be the network tools that we discussed. Um, some of it be maybe my attention deficit tendencies uh, and, you know, the email, the instant messaging, uh, et cetera. But I feel if I really want to create value for others, I need to create a way to really focus on the right work. And, and by the way, let's, I'd, I'd like to co-opt Mitch Anthony's definition of work, if, if the listeners will recall that. He, he said that he, he defines work as anything that creates value for others and meaning for me. So if it creates value for others and meaning for me, that was Mitch's de- definition of work. So this is, you know, so this is creating space to do anything that creates value for others and creates meaning for yourself. Uh, for the audience, we, we had Mitch on as a guest in season two, episode two. So you can certainly go back and check out uh, some of that. So I also worry a little bit about our kids uh, who are growing up, you know, with all this technology as digital uh, natives, I think is the right term. I, I, I can't remember the right term, but they're, but this is the world they grew up in. And I just worry about their ability to do truly unique, valuable work with focus. And it'll be even more important in the future, you know, when technology takes over a lot of these mundane, repeatable tasks. And for those that can't add value, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. Uh, as a matter of fact, back in February, I was at a conference where we were learning how to use new artificial intelligence and tech tools to do some of these kind of mundane, repeatable tasks. So there is a bit of a paradox, I think, that we just have to be aware of. And the paradox is we've got all these network tools that distract us, that make it harder to concentrate, clear our brains to do truly valuable creative work. 
while at the same time in this new connected economy, uh, there's going to be a shakeout, you know, uh, and, and the author believes that uh, those that thrive will be those that work well creatively with machines, with this intelligent machines, those that can uh, at best of what they do and those that have access to capital. And then the skills that are required are number one, the ability to, to master, you know, hard things quickly goes the pace of change. And the second is the ability to produce at an elite level in terms of both quality and speed. So these two, you know, these two abilities depend on your ability to do, to do, to do deep work. And, uh, you know, it does require a lot of concentration. And the challenge is in this networked world with the constant interruptions, there's a lot of neuroscience about, about the, the problem with this. Uh, so if you're trying to learn some complex new skill in a state of low concentration where you're being distracted, you know, you've got your instant messenger on or you've got your iWatch screaming at you that it's time or someone just texted you or emailed you. You're just firing way too many circuits simultaneously and you don't really have time for the neurons that you need to, to do the work that you need to do. And so this is called attention residue. So even a short interruption can really throw you to throw you off. So, you know, to learn new hard things, you get you have to focus intensely with, without distraction. Uh, and that's an act of deep work. And so, uh, you know, the, the, the author suggests that, you know, you just really need to batch these hard but important intellectual work into long, uninterrupted stretches where you can really focus on on the things that matter. Hmm. I, I am I am really inspired here. I can see the paradox <laughs> and yeah. both because I've got young kids, but I'm also, you know, right on that upper edge of millennial. And so I, I've kind of rode that fence and I can see both sides and I don't know why, but the, but the, the idea that's coming to be, to me is an athlete. When an athlete is honing their skill, they're not responding to emails and texting at the same time. They're, they're on the court or they're on the field and they are distraction free as much as possible while yeah. they're working on their craft Correct. And in the business world. And you might say, well, that's sort of a, a, a fishbowl type of environment. They've got to be separated. Yeah, but it's the same thing. They're trying to they're trying to become elite performers and yeah. work on their craft. And yet in the business world or in the real world, it's almost impossible to do if you can't really block these things out. Not, not only that, I mean, this is where uh, Cal's book is a little controversial. There's been a trend, it seems to me, uh, and collaboration is a wonderful thing. And I don't think it's inconsistent with deep work. You can you can do deep work in collaboration with others. But the problem is we've created these open workspaces, you know, like these, you know, these virtual offices or these open workspaces. I know I went to a, a, a company recently that just had desks all over the middle of the room and the desk could roll around and the chairs could roll around. And so they encouraged people wandering around having conversations, which is a great thing. Again, collaboration is a great thing. But, uh, you know, you can do a lot of activities that you think you're accomplishing something that may not be, you know, that productive at the end of the day um, yeah. because of these distractions. That's right. Yeah, right. so it's cultural. You said, uh, you said there were two reasons why you thought of this helpful topic for money and meaning. So what's the second? Yeah, the, yeah and the second one's just as important, maybe more so, because, you know, um, deep work uh, does give life meaning. You know, so deep work is meaningful work. And... Uh, the best examples I can give are, are two that he has in the book, which are just terrific. Um, so the first one, he talks a little bit about a guy named uh, Rick Furr, who's a blacksmith. He, and this is a blacksmith, I think, out in rural Wisconsin. 
and he specializes in ancient and medieval metalworking practices, which he painstakingly recreates these um, swords basically in his shop. And, you know, he, and so this, this blacksmith uh, said uh, to do it right. It is the most complicated thing I know how to make. Um, he also said, and it's the challenge that drives me. I don't need a sword, but I have to make them. And so he's a master craftsman whose work requires him to spend most of his day in a state of depth. Even a small slip in concentration can ruin all his work. And so he's also someone who clearly finds great meaning in his profession. So there is a connection between deep work and a, and a good life. Uh, and it's pretty familiar to craftsmen who are proud of their, you know, what they've, you know, what they created, but you don't get to, you can't create that without the athlete that you discussed or the craftsman. Mm -hmm. And so the challenge is how do we think about the knowledge worker being a craftsman and using their creativity to create new things in the bigger, in the, in the bigger, in the bigger thing. So, you know, there is a lot of satisfaction that this blacksmith got out of creating these unique, special things. And so it's, 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 you know, so the work does create meaning. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, and again, I think it is transferable. The second one really is about focus. The second story is more about focus uh, and about intense focus. And this is a story about a science writer named Winifred Gallagher. She wrote a book in 2009 called Rapt, R-A-P-T. And uh, she got an unexpected, terrifying diagnosis of cancer. Uh, and she said the disease wanted to monopolize my attention, but as much as possible, I would focus on my life instead. So she, so her deep work essentially was focusing on the good things in her life. Um, but it was about attention. So a lot of this is about attention, intention, you know, what matters, but also attention, what we focus on. So she focused more on the good things in her life, movies, walks, in her case, her 6.30 p.m. martini. Mm. And, and so she said that skillful management of attention is the key to a good life and the key to improving virtually every aspect of your experience. And that's countercultural because we think our life experience defines the quality of our life. And she says that what you focus on uh, impacts the quality of your life. Of course, Paul said that in Philippians 4.8. When he said, focus on the good stuff, yep. you know, so there's nothing new under the sun here, <laughs> but I think those are pretty two, two good ideas about how um, deep attention, deep focus on things that matter can create meaning. It, it's countercultural, but you, you, you hear, I hear you say that and there's no doubt that that is the truth. So yeah. what a fabulous reminder. So what, yeah. what are... Are there strategies to help to people to do more deep work? Yeah, yeah. And again, some of these are they are easy to say and hard to do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Every, everyone. And so in the book, he does go through four broad categories. The first one is just be intentional about creating space to do to work deeply. Uh, so if you know a few hours a, a day, you know, you know, create a strategy. We, we've done this at at uh, at my firm where every Wednesday from 1 p.m. until 2.30, all of our financial advisors 
distraction-free, we get into kind of the war room together and and we break down cases, break down uh, different um, yeah. issues, and we kind of clear space and spend that hour and a half together. It might not be enough time, but yeah. Well, again, you, you've whatever you can create is better than better than nothing. But 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 you know, there's some people it depends on your personality and your work, the type of work that you do, and clearly your job and or your mission or your, um, you know, however you're, you're contributing to society, you know, some people do, you know, probably should take uh, a week off and just go lock themselves in a room and do a project Mm -hmm. that doesn't work for a lot of people, however. So you can say, okay, can I create an hour a day or two hours a day or three hours a day where I turn off the phone, you know, turn off email, um, and, and, and do it. So just a focus few days. And the key again is just, is just being present with what you're doing. I, I, I know many years ago, I saw a photographer named uh, DeWitt Jones speak. He was a photographer for National Geographic magazine at the time, I believe. And I think he was in Scotland or Ireland, someplace where they have cool accents, you know. Mm. And, uh, and he was interviewing this, uh, this, this lady who was a famous weaver. She was like the weaver of the country. And she had a loom and she just, you know, and she created these incredible pieces of tapestry or, 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 or things. And he asked her, you know, cause he was watching her, taking her photograph. And he says, so what do you think about when you're weaving? And she looked at him with her Gaelic accent or, or, or Scottish accent, whichever the case may be. And she says, when I weave, I weave. <laughs> and, and I, and I said, Oh, that's, that's pretty rich. So, you know, again, she's just deep in her work when she's weaving. So that's number one, work deeply. Number two is to embrace boredom. And th- this is, this is a place I have to get rewired a bit, I think, because it becomes a habit to just check your uh, email or your, or your Twitter feed or whatever, when you're in the grocery store line and you're 10 people back and you got nothing else to do. And, um, you know, so embrace not having to do something and enjoy, uh, you know, the weather, enjoy the, the, the scenery, enjoy the relationships of the people in line next to you. Um, I mean, so, but that's an acquired skill for many of us because we have now, you know, every time there's a commercial on TV, we pull out our phones and blah, 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 you know? Mm-hmm. And so the so second thing was embrace boredom. Mm-hmm. Um, a, a corollary to that is also, let your subconscious work on some things. So, you know, if you've got a big project or you've got an assignment or you've got a problem you're trying to solve, um, your subconscious can sometimes solve that problem better than your conscious attention. So give your mind a problem and go take a walk uh, or go walk your dog or go for a jog or whatever. So, you know, that's item number two, I guess. You had something to ask about that? Or? No, I'm just saying I've been yeah. the benefactor of that. Yeah. You know, my, my, my conscious mind doesn't really work that well, but I've, I've been saved by the subconscious mind multiple times. Yeah. So. Yeah. And when you, and you, know, you know, have you ever been for a jog and, and something you've been trying to figure out for weeks? Poof. All of a sudden you have an idea that says, well, that's it. Yep. And you weren't working on it. Right but your mind knew that it was out there. So that's an example. Number three is, is, is counterculture is just quit social media. Uh, you know, evaluate, you know, how much time it's costing you. Um, I mean, I'm guilty as charged here. I mean, I, I bought about a year ago, uh, I bought this really neat sports watch and I love it, but you know, it does text, you know, when I get a text, it dings, you know, when I get an email, it pops up here when it, so you have to, you have to, 
create, you know, some, some filters. And then finally just drain the shallows, be intentional about, um, about, um, you know, creating some space for this kind of deep work. I shared a little bit about what we're doing at KFG. I'll tell you my own real quick example with the smartwatch is, is it's, I feel like it may, for me, may help because I can more easily put my phone down and I still feel like, well, if there's something urgent, yeah. I'll at least see it on my watch, but I'm not going to be staring at my watch trying to look things up. And sure. so it, it's possible that you could use this distraction of a watch to get less distraction by less phone. But anything Possibly, yeah. anything um, practically that you've done to help with this, Jeff? Yeah, I, I, well, I read the book last summer for the first time. And so late last year, um, I had just a lot of client work to do at, at the year end. So I created space in my weekly calendar, you know, to turn everything off except the tools I needed and to become unavailable to concentrate and do this level of deep thinking on this client work. Um, so, you know, um, also created, uh, a quote, ideal week that includes time generally on Fridays when I don't have meetings and I can just read, research, write, do strategy, think about big things, think about how to serve clients better, um, particular problems clients have. Um, and so I do a lot of time blocking as well throughout the week. Um, and I'm, I'm finding that my home office is a good place to do certain deep work because I do you know, it does get me away from some of the distractions uh, of the office, but I certainly have a long way to go uh, for <laughs> this again, a little bit convicting, but for instance, as I was preparing for the podcast, I was making my notes and kind of drafting some of the things I, I thought we should talk about. And and I was sitting in the Delta sky club at the airport and I was sitting there typing and, and, and kind of thinking And every few minutes, I, you know, I would check my Slack to see if I had a message, message messenger in my, in my email. So you know, I'm, it's a work in progress for sure. For all of us. Yep. For all of us. All right. This is really, this is really good stuff, Jeff. It helped me a lot. Any final thoughts before we wrap up? Yeah. I, I mean, I would just encourage the audience to think about reading Deep Work by Cal Newport. Um, it also occurred to me as I was reviewing these notes from the book that this would be a really good gift for new college graduates just starting out. Um, I mean, if you want to, if, if you want to, you know, be different and create value for your new employer. This, I think this is a possible way to, to do that and stand out. Um, and, and again, I'm sure some of the ideas may sound a bit controversial, but I believe there's a lot of wisdom in here that can be useful as we seek to clear the decks to live purposeful and meaningful lives. That's right. And which is what this show is all about, helping right. you align your resources to help you achieve meaning in your life. And so so there you have it. I have very helpful to me. I hope it was for you as well. But that's another episode of the Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier. We hope you found today's discussion helpful. Thanks for joining us. Don't forget, check out past episodes um, and Jeff's blog at www.tandemgrowth.com forward slash perspectives. Also, the podcast is on iTunes. If you haven't checked us out there, please do so. We'd love to hear from you. Give us a rating. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to The Money and Meaning Show with Jeff Bernier, a show dedicated to help you gain the confidence and freedom to lead a life of personal significance and help you get your actions and resources in alignment with what matters most. We would love to hear from you. If you have any questions for Jeff or Mike or comments on the show, feel free to reach out to us at moneyandmeaning@tandemgrowth.com. Or you can find us on the web at www.tandemgrowth.com.
Jeff Bernier is the President and Chief Investment Officer at Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, an SEC-registered investment advisor. This show is a production of Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC. All information discussed is general in nature, is provided for informational purposes only, and should not be construed as specific financial, legal, or tax advice. Listeners should consult an attorney or tax professional regarding their specific legal or tax situation. Listeners should not rely on the content of this podcast as the basis for any investment decisions. A professional advisor should be consulted and or independent due diligence should be conducted before implementing anything discussed in this show. While information presented is believed to be factual and up-to-date, Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not guarantee its accuracy and it should not be regarded as a complete analysis of the subjects discussed. Tandem Growth Financial Advisors, LLC, does not make any representations or warranties as to the accuracy, timeliness, suitability, completeness, or relevance of any information prepared by any unaffiliated third party, such as guests on the podcast, and takes no responsibility for the same.